Well, as I said, uh, Gary, Gary and I are, are uh, academics, so we present data. And I talked last night about, you know, Gary finding the Centers for Disease Control data in uh, many states. And one of the questions that was asked by the Centers for Disease Control in many states was engaging in community service. And we, we did, ran that against uh, the risk behaviors in the, in the survey. Now, remember, odds ratios, um, if they're less than one, that means, you know, you're less likely. You're only 76% is likely. You're only 62% is likely. Right, Gary? All right, got to make sure I got that right. So <clears throat> this is from Alaska and how engaging in community service relates to risk behavior. As you see, it really reduces your odds between a quarter and almost a half for smoking, for binge drinking. Now, binge drinking is one of the most dangerous forms of drinking you can do. It, you really get legally drunk. It tends to mean five drinks in a row. You drink kind of five of any alcoholic beverage in a row and you're legally drunk. Beer, you know, shots of whiskey, wine, you're drunk. Um, one or more drinks in the last uh, 30 days, again, reduce the odds of over a third. Marijuana, marijuana at school, cocaine. So service relates to less, lower rates of all this type of substance use. <clears throat> now, use cocaine now. Here we get to, to sex. Ever had sexual intercourse? Reduces, and, and these are young people from 12 to 17, reduces about a quarter. They're only 74% as likely. Multiple sexual partners, and that's the highest sexual risk behaviors, multiple partners. Your odds of getting a sexually transmitted infection are great if you have a number of sex partners. So it's very, again, it's protective. Reduce your odds you know, by about a quarter. Uh, prescription drug use, I don't know if you, you know this, you know, the, the, most of the drug abuse in this country involves prescription drugs by kids. You know, if you talk to young people, they, they have parties in which you, you steal prescription drugs from your parents and you put them in a, in a bowl and you take a few at the party. You don't know if you're getting Lipitor, Viagra, or Xanax. You know, literally, it's a party. And, you know, that's kind of one of the scenes out there. Prescription drug abuse. In fact, as I recall... Um, the daughter of a governor of your state uh, was arrested for calling in her own prescription then trying to pick it up at a drug store uh, here in Florida. I think it was Jeb Bush's daughter that was arrested for calling. George's? Well, one of the Bush's kids. Uh, one of the Bush's kids called in a prescription for Xanax. All right, this is Dr. So-and-so, and, -so and um, I'm calling a prescription for, you know, and then she went and picked it up two minutes later. Well, a little too close. Uh, and she was busted. So prescription drug abuse. But look at D's and F's. Only half as likely to get D's and F's if you engage in community service. Again, that makes a difference. It makes a difference. Well, the church. This is a North American Division Health Summit. This is the church. So the church, what can the church do in service? Well, again, back to Matthew 25. Remember, our, our thesis is it is one of the really great things about Christianity, uh, about the words of Jesus, is a multiple level of meaning and understanding that are there. You know, children can read it and say, God loves me. You know, he loves me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But the older we get, we begin to see whole new layers of meaning in the words of Jesus. And, you know, Matthew 25 isn't just, well, you might be saved if you do this. It really is by doing this, your life is changed. You become a different person by serving the least of these. It isn't just a doctrinal requirement if you want to be saved. It's you become a person who is worthy of the kingdom by doing these things. So, you know, what can we do? Yes. Do we have anything that's real under 
Well, and this, but this is up to, to unions, conferences, divisions, churches. Youth programs can be service focused. You know, lots of times you wonder, what do we do in this youth program? Well, maybe what we do is mow a lawn. Maybe what we do is clean up the park. You know, maybe what we do is, is, um, <clears throat> is do tutoring uh, in the community. You know, so we can have youth programs that are service oriented, which they see they made a difference. Um, it has uh, to be meaningful. It, yeah, it has to be something that makes a difference to the kids and their skills and their interests. They were what? They were filed. They were oh, fi yeah, no, 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 that, right. Now he's talking about a program that in which the kids with the hospital were filing. That wasn't meaningful to the kids. But that's, it's hard yeah. to find. Well, one of the things you can work with the community, in our service learning uh, pr program at Andrews, we work with community leaders uh, and organizations to find those meaningful things, and filing's not one of them. Tutoring often is, cleaning up a park often is. You know, a lot of organizations, you know, the, the city budgets, have been devastated in this last decade uh, in communities. There's not enough money to do things. There's not enough money to do anything in many, in many cities today. There are fewer teachers, there are fewer police officers, uh, there are fewer social service workers. I chair a health department in Berrien County, Michigan. We've reduced our staff about 25% because we've run out of money. So that means there's less people to conduct stop smoking programs in the community. Um, there's less people to engage in all kinds of health education. So that's not filing, you know, for example, <clears throat> nursing majors at Andrews can be involved with health education programs in the health department. We've had psychology graduate students work in suicide prevention lines. Um, we've had psychology majors, you know, work in, in terms of some motivational changes to stay in school. Again, tutoring is very meaningful. Cleaning up a park is meaningful because they can see it go from trashy to clean and in and, and good shape. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually, you know, I did that. Yeah, that's a good point. I did that um, when I was a kid in Hinsdale, Illinois. Every every Thursday after school, I used to go to the animal center and exercise the dogs. Yeah, my you know my parents made me stop that because I kept bringing home a dog, <laughs> so they didn't think that was a good service idea because I kept rescuing them. But yes, that's exactly right. When I was ten, it was very meaningful for me to walk the dogs. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It isn't filing. It really is doing something that's meaningful, the kids enjoy. So you have to kind of pay attention to the kids. But youth programs can be service focused. Just another, another comment. When young people serve, it's good to help them see who they're serving. Yeah. If you don't <clears throat> make leaves, it's nice to meet Meet the person you rake the leaves. Right. Mow the lawn. Right. And just help them put a face right. behind no, he's saying it's, it's important when they serve that it, it's not some anonymous thing, but rather some distant thing, but they meet the people they're serving. They meet the community members that they clean the park up. They meet the, they meet the, the, the person that they painted their house. They mowed their lawn. Again, remember our earlier point was one of the reasons service learning works is because the kids see they made a difference in someone's life. It validates them. It validates the service. Filing probably doesn't validate. Well, again, I'm half Irish, so I hate creating order. Yes? The three pieces are, you've got to repeat this. Okay, three pieces are. Um, talk about what you're going to do with the kids. Right, talk about what you're going to do. What, you know, make sure it's going to be meaningful to the kids. Go do it with the kids. Right, work with the young people. Reflect. 
Yeah, and this reflection really is important. In our service learning program at Andrews, we actually have the, uh, have the students write papers about these kinds of things. You know, who, who benefited? What did it mean to you? What changes did you see? Yeah, and the, those who tutor, it's an amazing what they see. If they, if they you know, fixed up a house, you know, for, <clears throat> for example, architecture students at Andrews work to design safe walking trails in the community. Part of a class project. Part the, oh, the first piece, talk to the kids about what you're going to do. And then, uh, you know, th then you know, you do it with them and then you make them reflect on it. You know, they think about it. So reflection is important. You know, cognitive psychology suggests that, you know, we learn best when we actually think about what happened, what it did, what it meant to us. And that's why we ask the young people to reflect. But in the church, you can do these kinds of things. You know, service can be an entering wedge, and uh, Gary and I um, direct an institute for prevention of addictions at Andrews, and our board chair is, uh, is, uh, is, doc is Dr. Delbert Baker, one of the vice presidents of the General Conference, and he used to be the president of Oakwood, and they used uh, service as an entering wedge. You know, as I said, every city in this country has reduced their, their employees by a third. It's been really bad. Parks do ne neglected. Um, bike trails uh, get neglected. Well, Oakwood um, does community service in which they clean up parkways, they clean up bike trails, they repair bike trails, they do major public park, public space renovation. And he says that's an incredible entering wedge because, you know, I've got to tell a story about one of my favorite Bible teachers when I was at Andrews. His name uh, is, is, um, is Ivan Blazin. And um, I was a, a, a religion major for a while at Andrews. And then my wife said she didn't want to be a pastor's wife, so I changed uh, majors. Um, and she said she didn't play the piano that well. But he told us a story as a religion, uh, as religion majors. He, you know, and, the, and the religion professors and the seminary students at Andrews have to uh, work in local churches. And so he was responsible for doing prayer meeting at a church about 45 minutes from Andrews in a town not to be named. Well, you know, he rushed and he forgot the address um, of, the, of the church. Um, so he didn't go back. He was out of time. He figured, oh, I'll stop at a gas station. You know, I'll find out the church. I can always look it up. So he gets to town. And he says, you know, I'm looking for, you know, the local said the Adventist church. And boy, I'd never heard of it. Oh, I've never heard of an Adventist church in town. And then um, he tried to look in the phone book and wasn't in the phone book. So, you know, he stopped at a number of places and someone said, boy, you know, I do remember driving by it. It's, it's somewhere, somewhere right in this area here. I'll show you on the map. It's somewhere here. So he drove up and down and up and down. Finally, he saw Send the Adventist Church. Well, he's about 20 minutes late and he was happy to see a few cars there. They hadn't left. So he walked in. As he walked in, they were talking about where they were going to flee in the time of trouble. He told me, you don't need to worry about it. No one knows you're here. You're safe. No one knows you. Well, that's not what we should be. We a light to the world, not a light under a bushel. Yeah, come on up. Can I do one? I got yeah. So entering wedge. I was working with a church up in Alaska. Actually, it was the biggest Adventist church in Alaska. I won't name it. Like I'm not naming one of Andrews either. The biggest one, yeah, that's right. Anyway, and, and so they were really, really interested in this community service stuff. And it was when Ted Wilson was still vice president of the General Conference. And Dwayne and Ted and a, a representative from the church up, up in Palmer and I, uh, I guess I just told you. We, um, we talked about how they were going to start a community service project in Palmer. And they were going to take their Pathfinders, actually. Rather, make, rather than Pathfinders being a club 
for kids to get together and have fun and go home, turn it into a service organization. And they're going to go into Palmer, which is this very small town, big town for Alaska, the small town by other standards, and start getting engaged, getting involved with doing other things. Once they learn how to do the service thing, then, then what they would do is invite the kids from the local high school to join yep. them in doing it right. and use that as an outreach. Right. They never did do it, but that's the plan we were, we, we, they decided they were going to do other things. But that's the plan we had going. I think it's one of the best plans I've ever heard, actually, is start small. Don't start with 100 kids. You'll fail. You can't manage 100 kids. You have to have lots of people and lots of experience to do that. Start with two or three. Start with your own kids. Get, you know, get, get them together, do some service stuff, get two or three weeks of experience, two or three months of experience, expand it, get some other kids, get some other, other adults. What we know about volunteers is it, is it to get volunteers, uh, a call from the pulpit doesn't work. You've got to call people up one-on-one, -on -one, face them one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, we're doing this, would you jump in? Okay, and that, but that, that was the, that, that, that's how we were, remember that's how we were planning on doing, doing it yeah. in Palmer. Well, and that is the entering wedge in a sense of the community and bringing other youth with you, working with you. But the, 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 we're, we, we, the Bible says we're to be a light on a hill, not a light under a bushel, that we need to be noted for what we do in the community. Um, and one of the things that, and it said, I, I chair the public health board in my county, and every year we give an award to an organization or an individual we call a friend of public health. You know, an individual or an organization that did great things in the community that made a difference. Now, I'd love to do an enemy of public health, but so far the county commission won't let me do that. I think that'd be kind of fun, too. But one of the years, um, the staff of the health department nominated Pioneer Memorial Church Community Service. And I then had to leave the room as they talked about it, but they voted to award the Seventh Avenue Church a Friend of Public Health Award because of the difference they made in the community in providing, in times of disaster, in providing shelter. And when houses burned down, the Adventists were there first with food and clothing. You know, so you know, the secular community recognized that the leading church in serving the community when disaster hit was a Seventh-day Adventist church. Not a light under a bushel, but a light on a hill. And that's what we should be. Remember, um, Paul gave advice on who should be an elder. Remember, one of the criteria was a person of good repute in the community. Now, I've suggested once, a little facetiously, when I've been a church elder, I've said, you know, maybe we should post the first reading of our elders at the local grocery store and see what comments we get back. <laughs> no one's taken me up on that. But, you know, Paul said that if you're an elder, people ought to think well of you. If you're a church and no one knows you're here, then you're not serving Christ. To, to have the community recognize you as a friend of the community because you made a difference. You know, that's really important. You know, service can provide a core reason for youth to be involved in the church. Church isn't relevant. Well, church can be relevant if the kids are doing something that makes a difference in the lives of others. If the young people see that they did something that changed the world. You know, architecture students can see that they design bike paths. You know, the kids are using those bike paths. They made a difference in the community. Service relates to spiritual growth, and I think that's one of the points in Matthew 25. It isn't just you fed the hungry, that you serve people. It's that it made a difference in your spiritual growth. You know, I'm not a theologian. I can't say it relates to sanctification. I'm not qualified to do that. But spiritual growth may be an important part of service. Service makes our faith real. It's the fruit of of the spirit. You know, we talk, you know, Jesus talks about the fig tree that produced no fruit, wasn't good for that fig tree. 
you know, producing fruit and service making a difference is fruit. And, you know, the point that, that, uh, that Jim made really is crucial in that it has to be meaningful to youth. And again, different spiritual gifts, different talents. The thing I mostly did in service when I was in a service program in, at Andrews was tutoring. So I love school. Um, I used to, um, I, I have this theory that heaven will be an eternal university. Uh, it's a place we can just learn and study for eternity. Um, my children, my daughter won't let me tell it to my grandchildren because she said it frightened her as a child. Um, but uh, that's kind of my view. And, you know, that, that tutoring is, is something I really enjoyed. Many people might not. Uh, I can't pound a, a nail in a hammer. I mean, I can't, I can't pound a nail in straight. You never want to ask me to repair anything. You never want to ask me to change a tire. It won't work. But I'm a pretty good tutor. So it's understanding the spiritual gifts and talents. There, Gary. All right, come on up, Jim. All right. Now, he has, now, 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 Jim, you do realize you have to sign a release form. Uh, because you're being recorded. How much time do you want me to take? 25. No, this is as much you need. I got involved with disaster response with high school students when Katrina hit down on the Gulf. And our school, Bass Memorial Academy, was pretty well wiped yeah. out. And as the secondary associate for the union, I felt compelled to go down and see what I could do to help out our school. And in the process, I was invited by the conference to uh, basically set up groups to come in and help. So we had 60 students lined up to come. There was a lot of activity already going on there, and it was established by a group called ACTS. And it's uh, for active Christians mm -hmm. that serve. And Long story short, once I was there and realized what was going on, and they, I walked up to them at the very time they were saying, where are we going to get our volunteers? I had 60 volunteers lined up. Andrews had been there. Yeah, Andrews was down there. Southern was leaving, and there would have been 17 people to handle 600 to 1,000 cars coming to get <sighs> stuff every day. <clears throat> we had over... A six-week span of time, 1,200 young people from all around the country come in to assist. Their lives were changed. They saw literal miracles. Had 1,200 hot dogs. That's all they had left. They had given out all of their food, 1,200 hot dogs and buns. That day they fed 4,000 people. Now, you can say what you want to, that that didn't really happen. Those kids, no, they saw it. The loaves and the fishes were alive and well. And... They changed lives with people every day, prayed with them, encouraged them, hugged them, cried with them. We planned a 20-minute worship in the evening. Two <clears> hours <throat> later, we finished a testimonial times where high school students were in tears about the difference they made in people's lives. So I'm all about service learning. I would like to see this involved in our schools, and I'm interested in talking further about how to do that. Well, it's curriculum, and, and, and Andrews, they, they, they get academic credit. They can't graduate without the academic credit. And, you know, as he pointed out, there were students from Southern there. There were students from Andrews there. Uh, volunteers came in from all over the country. And I, I'm very proud that Avenus played such a leading role. Um, and they're all young people, right. And it played a role. And, and Southern and Andrews uh, used their buses to haul the students down. So it was a resource commitment from our Adventist uh, colleges, maybe other academies were there. It was a major commitment. And the president of Andrews made a big deal that you know, we are going to do this. 
um, and we're going to take the resources to make a difference. So again, a light on a hill, not a light uh, hidden under a bushel. You know, we need to be known as, as the community that makes, as a church, the faith community that makes a difference. All right, so how can, how can the church community, you know, in kind of in a summary of, of what we're talking about, you know, how can the church community build resilience? Learn the names. Get to know the names of the youth in the church and in our community. And we talk about everyone knows your names. Make a church day a spectacular day for youth in the quality of programs and their participation in planning and program presentation. Be interested in what the youth are interested in meet those interests. You know, and, and, and you know, made, you made a good point that, you know, make sure you're doing what the kids need to do, what they want to do, not, not mundane work. It's crucial to remember that correct beliefs do not replace great relationships. All right, and that's been one of the themes you, you've heard uh, it last night also. We are people who believe in correct doctrine, and doctrine's important, but relationships are crucial. Relationship with Christ, relationship between parents and children, relationship between church leaders and youth. It's really crucial. Work with youth and service projects. You know, work with youth. Don't send them, lead them, work with them. Now, you know, this is a, a North American division, um, you know, health ministries uh, program. So we have to, you know, I think we have, we need to talk about how service really is part of the mission of health ministries. Why service Cordy Health Ministries? Well, because service promotes better cognitive choices and health behavior. You know, how do we get better health behavior? Well, service is one of them. And, and I do, you know, we're, we're not talking about a magic bullet. We're talking about a number, I shouldn't move this around so much. We're talking about a number of things that work from family, mentoring, and mentoring's in service. Service is one of the things. You know, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the key things. Service promotes better cognitive choices. Well, you know, we, we have uh, um, uh, Arlene Taylor talking about the brain. I have a colleague at Andrews who's a PhD in neuropsychology. And, you know, service can improve cognitive functioning for all the reasons we talked about. Planning, cause effect, um, you know, making a difference in someone's lives. It helps the brain develop. Service data shows reduces health risk behaviors. Just a little data we presented, you saw that. That if you engage in service, less sex, less drugs, less sexual promiscuity. Uh, service is a great way for other health ministries programs to enter the community. The entering wedge. You know, it's really a crucial part, the entering wedge. It shows that we care about the community. And sometimes as Adventists, we are seen as so subcultural that we don't care. We, um, you know, we, we can build a compound. Uh, you know, we built our places to be a day's away from the nearest known center of sin. Uh, and so we're often not seen. And I've seen the reputation of Andrews change. Um, I've been there since 86. And the reputation of Andrews has changed because we started this service learning program in the community. Um, we, you know, as, as, as service programs in the community have lost funding and staff, volunteers often make a major difference. And so Andrews is now seen as not isolated, but a part of the community. And I'm sure the folks in New Orleans had a very different view of Adventism after all those people were helped. You know, Bass Memorial became a center for, um, for helping the community. Uh, we achieve legitimacy in the community, and other programs can be accepted. You know, that um, other things we may do for evangelism may be more accepted in a church, in a faith community that cared and did something in the community. Uh, Gary and I worked uh, in actually in Northern Ireland on, uh, on some programs that actually Ted Wilson came and did an evangelistic series after our, our work in, in, uh, in, in drug education, prevention, and service. 
Um, all right, well, we're going to talk about re religion next. All right, we'll, we'll start getting into that. But, well, maybe one of the things I wanted to say. Now, you know, Jim talked a little bit about service, and I think you were talking about, um, um, Edgar, I think you were talking about some things that you were doing in service in, 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 in native, with Native peoples. So why don't you talk a little bit about that so we can kind of hear other voices besides ours. So, again, he'll have to sign a release. Yeah. Yeah, watch it. Come on up here, because I think you know you, you hear, you're going to hear us a lot over the next couple of days. So it's nice to hear kind of how you've applied some of these things. Well, let me start that uh, I I grew up in a family where my mom and dad divorced, and I grew up with my grandmother. And then, uh, going to school was a motivation that uh, if I will succeed in school, I'll have uh, something better for the future. But it did not turn out that way because my parents cannot support me to school. So I went to, when I became a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, I joined the publishing ministry. And that paid my way to go to school. But it cannot, uh, you know, support me in college. I had to work. It was when I joined this missionary program that Mountain View College, my school, you know, in the Philippines, uh, trained young people to go to the community and stay with them for a year or two. And it was there that uh, we taught these uh, Aboriginal people how to live right. You know, uh, teach them how to read and write and bath, you know, saying? and all of this. And so this program has actually, uh, has actually, uh, what do you call this one, has uh, grown, mm. you know, and one of our members of these community programs actually is volunteering to work with the first country in, in Canada where the community is, uh, uh, shall I say, at risk in, mm -hmm. in, your, in, your, in your terminology. Mm -hmm. First Nation? Sorry? First Nation community? First Nation community. And we had our, our, our what do you say, uh, reunion last November and they brought with them these natives, these uh, original people uh, from the <coughs> community, and they, you know, reported to us how the work of community service has actually helped them. Uh, drinking is actually high, drugs, uh, people are engaged in extramarital sex, and what you're talking actually here is just what is the real situation in the community. And uh, the, the chieftains, Two of them joined them in that reunion, and they were the ones telling us about what these folks are actually doing in the community. And a change is actually taking place. place, taking place. And you can just imagine these people coming from that area, joining us here. They traveled <coughs> how many days just to join us here and talk to us. And we had that reunion in my church, right in Pasadena. Oh. In my church last November, and so we have these colorful, you know, uh, uniforms they had, and this is this was the uniform they were using during the Olympics in Canada, oh. and they were asked to represent the Aboriginal uh, tribes to, you know, to march in that long ceremony, and they told us uh, us about what happened there, and there is going to be another reunion by September. I'm inviting you know uh, <laughs> anyone of you to go there to really see the actual situation because uh, the people are responding positively, 
And uh, well, that's it. No, it's very powerful stuff. Very powerful material. Thank you, Edgar. Well, you know, one of the, in, in one of the, you know, Ted, how are you? Good to see you. Elder Wilson is taking his head. He wanted to see who was here, make sure you're behaving. All right. Oh, okay. Well, welcome, Elder Wilson. Right. Well, one, and, and, you know, let me make, you know, kind of summate many of the things that we're covering. You know, first of all, our purpose is to, is to really show what we can do to make our young people resilient in the face of all the things that hit them. Remember, resilience is turning out well in a bad neighborhood, in a bad environment. And we've, we've talked about that everyone is in a bad environment with internet pornography, with um, you know, drugs available everywhere, that our kids, our young people are significantly at risk. You know, we've talked about resilience as the ability to overcome the bad neighborhood. Remember, Jesus of Nazareth was accused of how can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's from a bad neighborhood. How did he do it? Well, the first element of resilience, being able to overcome a bad environment, is family. Family bonding, family functioning, unconditional love. We showed you the data. Um, monitoring, role modeling, relationship between husband and wife, relationship between parents and children is enormously statistically protective. It's God's original plan. Ellen White said two things from Eden for eternity, the Sabbath and the family. So family is crucial. But we know that some proportion of families don't work well. And we know that if families, that there's neglect, abuse, dysfunction, yelling and screaming, it really predicts risk behavior. Early pregnancy, alcohol and drug use. So we then move to what else, what else may be involved in resilience and overcoming a bad environment. And that's where we began talking about adults and other adults in the community and mentoring. That we showed data that if a young person can talk to three or four adults about anything, it protects them from alcohol, drug use, and sexual risk behaviors. So each of us have a role to play in prevention and in resilience by the kids, the young people, the children that we talk to. Then we moved on to the role of service in resilience. All right, well, poke something in. Whoops. Don't forget that your responsibility is not just to your own kids. Right, that's important. Kids who grow up in very bad environments do very, very well if somebody makes a difference in their lives. If there's a person that matters, and we talked about that, and we told a story about that. But don't forget that your responsibility is to them also. You know, how, what would our churches look like, and we've said this before, what would our churches look like today if when our kids walked in, everybody knew their name? Right. Everybody engaged them, right. everybody talked to them. Can you imagine? I remember I was, I spoke at uh, Adventist College in Canadian, what's it called, University College? Yeah, CUC. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, several, year, several years ago, and, I, and the, the gal who got her doctorate at Loma Linda when I was working on mine, and she's at the University of, uh, of Alberta, or Calgary, so we met for dinner, and they're Catholic, and they have three little boys, and they're, they're, they're very good athletes. The father was on the Olympic speed skating team. And this little Matthew was five, and he was like jiggling around in his chair. And I said, Matt, what's going on? And he said, I can't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow is Sunday. So I knew they were going to go skiing. So I said, what's so good about tomorrow? He said, I get to go to church. I said, what's so neat about church? He said, <coughs> he said the people there are really nice. Yeah. Right. And just don't make it the bar where everyone knows their name. Make it church where everyone knows their name. <laughs> now, you know, and that is why they go to the bars. You're exactly right. Well, they could go to church. Yeah. It would make a difference. Everyone knows her name. And then we really talk about how service is a good way uh, to, to mentor. It's because we spend time with the young people. You know, I bet, you know, Jim was doing an extraordinary amount of mentoring without even thinking about it because he was working with the young people in emergencies. Right. 
know, it is how you mentor young people is to work with them. You role model, you show you care, and you learn about the things that they're dealing with by talking to them. Remember my story about the Seminole Tribe did uh, alcohol prevention by working with the kids and doing things for the community, picking cucumbers, herding cattle. That's how they mentored, and it took me months to figure that out. We show data that when you know, young people engage in service, they make better choices of alcohol, drugs, and sexual activity. Cognitive thinking, altruism develops. Yes, Edgar. Yeah. It's community service, volunteerism. Yeah, volunteerism. And, th and that's one of the definitions. Volunteerism in the sense that, you know, you don't get paid for it, that it's an extension of what you're doing to the community. So, you know, voluntary service, and I, I do think integrating the curriculum is fine. You know, that's a required part of the curriculum. Um, you know, they're getting paid. In fact, they're paying for it. They pay tuition. <laughs> so, yeah, they're actually paying at Andrews to engage in community service. Um, but the, the positive response is just enormous. So I can clearly say we've been doing this for 20 years at Andrews, and the young people do have great evaluations. The, some of the best evaluations we get for any of our classes are with our service learning philosophy of service classes. It makes a difference. They are transformed. They changed. It's an entering wedge. We're not a light hidden. We're a light on a hill. They, the community sees that we care, that we make a difference, but listen to us in other things. Because of that witness, we can have an impact. Yes, Jim. When I give a sermon now, I challenge people. Because the average age of the church now is 58. Is it that old? Oh, I didn't know it was that old. Either 52 or 58. What's younger than Gary and I, so it's, yeah. Go ahead. Don't pass away in this earth. Yeah. Right. No, that's true, mentoring in every way. And, and actually, and I just taught a course in gerontology at Andrews in the fall semester. A colleague of mine got sick and I had to take up the last minute. And boy, he talked about I had to read ahead of the kids, which is you know, a little hard sometimes. But one of the, you know, actually successful aging, um, in, in, in good research on how we successfully age, is doing exactly that. It's mentoring a young person to take our place. Then you are a healthy, healthier aging population if we mentor young people to, to play our role, to do what we did, to make a difference, to be a young professional. And actually one of the most satisfying things we can have, and Gary and I really get a kick out of this, is working with young people to lead a project and to get lead authorship on a publication. What, you know, we take great, you know, I think we can take pride in this, Gary, but uh, when we do our report to our board, we highlight our former research assistantships, our former research assistants, and our students. We asterisk, we bold, and we underline. This student worked with us, and now look, they're working as a research scientist at the University of Michigan. It's a scientist at UCLA. They senior authored this great paper. And so I guess Gary and I, Gary, you and I can successfully age, because we've mentored young people. But yeah. Yes, sir. All right, so um, Edgar is saying that uh, the Philippine government recognized Mountain View College as having a number one program in community service. So, you know, we talked about that it benefits ourselves uh, to, to be of service. Healthy aging and our cognitive functioning as we grow older works better if we're mentoring young people to take our place and we're developing them in their careers. And we recognize that we won't be in those careers much longer and that church, that profession won't be there if we don't mentor young people to take our place. You know, remember, Elijah mentored Elisha. Jesus mentored his disciples. 
that the key in any successful community, profession, church, is to make sure that we're replacing ourselves. And it does us good to replace ourselves because that's how we stay healthy, that's how we have healthy aging. So again, none of these are magic bullets. And you know, one of the discouraging things sometimes is that um, you know, all the things are going right and, and young people still make dumb decisions. Well, Dr. Andreas and the president of Andrews says, young people make dumb decisions. You're not gonna prevent them all. But one of the important things to recognize and all the resilience things we're talking about last night, today, apparently this afternoon and tomorrow is um, that coming back. Young people make bad decisions, but experimentation does not have to become habituation. Young people may take a drink. Young people may make a bad choice, but if they're involved with family, adult mentoring, having had service experience, the odds of them coming back are great. What protects also brings back. The same things that, that prevent, if you get in trouble, help you come back. The best predictor of who's gonna stop alcohol and drug use are parental relationships, relationships with other adults, service learning, that predicts cessation. Yeah, uh, Jim. Yeah, and actually, he's making a point we probably made clear. Um, and I've seen, in, in, you know, again, I've, um, I'm getting to the age where, I, you know, I figure I retire when the children of my students start coming. Um, I've been there long enough. But I have, I've, I've seen that exact thing where service activities become a profession because they get experience, they get excited, and they enter that field. You know, the tutors often become teachers those that were involved in, in dealing with uh, emergency preparedness. I've seen actually some of them go on to, to, get, uh, to get degrees to, to make sure emergency planning, emergency preparedness are part of their master's program. I've seen our students do that. I've seen our, our, you know, our, our students, uh, nursing students often run these kinds of health fairs. It really helps them in their career development. So I think we have to recognize that, yeah, services, all these things in terms, including career preparation. You know, they're preparing for a career. You know, maybe I became a college professor because I actually started tutoring in sixth grade. You know, and actually when I was in, you know, when I was in sixth grade, uh, we did this, what are you gonna do when you grow up? I said I'm gonna be a college professor. Maybe it's because I was tutoring third graders. So again, what we do in service often gets us committed to a profession. Jim's absolutely right. It's really crucial to us. All right, we're kind of winding down. Do you have any questions uh, in our last few minutes that, that you may want to ask? Right, Gary, you want to say, or ask questions of Gary and I as, uh, as we kind of wind down? Again, nothing is magic. All these things are cumulative, and we'll be talking about other things later. You know, the more of these things that you do uh, properly, if you imagine that here's the road, and the center line goes down the middle of the road, we want our kids to walk the center line exactly. Nobody does. But what, here's, if you, the more of the stuff you do right, the less they do. And the more likely when they go to the shoulder that they'll come back to the That's center. That's just it. And the less the, the, of the assets that they have, the more they will do. We want our kids to go down this road just like this. And if they we stumble, we get back. We don't get that. Okay. <laughs> Did you get that with your girls? Perfect, straight down the road? Uh, 
anybody? No, <laughs> no, they don't. Let's be realistic. We didn't. Right. We didn't. Right. You know, you just you, know, you pray a lot and you you keep the communication lines yes. open. Yes. Yes. And, and make them feel safe to talk. Right. Absolutely. Yep. That's the secret. Yep. And we talked a lot about that last night. You remember, if a young person can talk to three or four adults about anything, it can reduce their odds of drug use in half. You know, communication, parents, other responsible adults. Very protective, and we never give up on our youth. Never. We never give never. up, because the the, the, the they, people come back. You know, we never give up. And you know, again, I've um, some of the wildest kids I had uh, at college come back at alumni weekend, and I discover that they've really come back. They're on fire for the Lord. Yeah. They've they've changed. So kids that we might write off as teachers and Adventist schools, we're surprised 10, 20 years later when they come back and they're hugely changed, they're hugely different. We never, never give up. We always communicate, we always pray, and we, we hope the Holy Spirit works on the seeds that we planted. You know what, let's review last night very quickly. What were the benefits of family meals? Sounds simple, sounds boring, it's wonderfully fantastic is what it is. What are the benefits of family meals? Anybody remember? Eat more fruits, more vegetables, less obesity. <laughs> Better grades, Better less grades in school, right. less tobacco, alcohol, right. marijuana. More seatbelt use, less date rape, less victimization, less delinquent behavior. All right. Uh, you know, and, and all that has to do with sit down at your family meal. Communication. You guys did this. Right. Talk. Talk. No TV, phone. no cell phone. Communicate. Talk. Right. Mentoring, role playing, um, you know, monitoring behavior. Who are your friends? Remember, if you don't know the majority of your kids' friends, you've increased, you've doubled their odds for alcohol, drugs, and sex. Okay, and, and here's one we didn't talk about, but it's very quick. Study at the Belgium shows that kids who take the cell phone to bed oh, yeah. um, uh, have at least no, one wait. call during the night. Right. Kids who, who miss 25 minutes of sleep at night are more likely to get CDs and Fs in school. That's our lecture tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> no, that is our lecture tomorrow. Okay, All right, so we kind of want to, you know, make sure that, you know, there's no magic bullet. All these things work together. On uh, today, you know, this this morning we've ended with service. Uh, our next presentation, we're going to focus on the role of faith, which would make sense. This is a faith community. We have two minutes. Oh, it, oh, I'm sorry. I should say at 2 p.m. Uh, in this room. All right, and there's good odds that Gary and I will be here. All right. Thank you very much. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.